going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 111 today, and we got a lot to talk about because the NBA season has started. College football's getting to the end here, midseason, about we finally have some understanding for the NFL season, kind of the, the first time in a while we have an understanding of that. And we have our World Series matchup, too, Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, not going to talk about much basketball yeah. if at all, just because baseball's taking center stage with the World Series coming up, and football is obviously a bigger kind of portion on our show i would say so basketball will get its time later in the year when there's no football or baseball going mm-hmm. on but as of right now it's all football it's all baseball uh so without further ado let's get into the opener where my opener has got to be bryce harper's swing to give the phillies a lead in game five of the nlcs that was on sunday uh bryce harper had a two-run homer to put the Phillies up four to three. And that was pretty much all they needed because they, they were just three outs away in the bottom half or top half of the ninth uh, from going to the world series. It's been all over everything. Uh, Bleacher report, MLB, of course, ESPN, whatnot. Uh, so everybody knows what swing I'm talking about from Bryce Harper, but pretty cool moment to say the least. Yeah. I got to say Monday night football last night because Watching the Patriots get embarrassed is uh, one of my favorite things to do. And especially on national TV, they even got a little quarterback controversy going on. Mac Jones gets benched. Zappi comes in and not great, not horrible, but not great either. Not enough to beat Chicago, but Justin Fields looked good and I like him. So it's a good night. Yeah, Fields is a very interesting quarterback, I'd say, because there's times where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this guy's making plays and maybe only him, maybe like Lamar Jackson and or Josh Allen can make these plays. And then he'll compound that like escape or whatever he does with like the worst throw you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Uh, but yesterday it seemed like he pieced it all together pretty well. And uh the more consistent consistency with Justin Fields is what's going to make him good. If he's not going to be consistent, then he's not going to be in the NFL for too long, I don't think. But let's go ahead and move on to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week now. Uh, two players, again, uh, first one of which will be the baseball one. I didn't even put a poll up for this because this was too obvious in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Bryce Harper, uh, 8 for 20 in that NLCS against the Padres, two homers, five RBIs. It just seemed like every single time he was coming up to the plate, he was doing something big for the Phillies. I couldn't imagine like being a Padres fan and just seeing that guy come up there in any big spot and not being like, okay, let's just walk this guy on four pitches. Like I, I'd be scared shitless going against him. So if you're a Padres fan, you probably got PTSD from that home run, but he's the Mackett Sports Player of the Week on the baseball side of it. And then in the football side, we had four candidates. Uh, let's just get into the voting, and I'll tell you who they are as we go along. First up is Jamar Chase for his eight-catch, 130-yard performance of two touchdowns against the Falcons. Out of 29 votes, he got zero of them, uh, so rough one there. Next up, Joe Burrow, who went 34 for 42 with 481 yards and three touchdowns, of course, in that same game as Jamar Chase against the Falcons. He got 17.2% of the votes. 
Next up is Josh Jacobs, who had 20 carries, 143 yards, and three touchdowns in the Raiders' win over the Texans on Sunday. He ended up getting 24.1% of the votes. And then Kenneth Walker III, who had 23 carries, 168 yards, and two touchdowns in the Seahawks' big win over Very the Chargers big. this weekend. 58.6% of the votes. I didn't expect it to be that big of a landslide, but Kenneth Walker gets the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week this week, and it probably won't be his last with the way he's been mm-hmm. running in these last few weeks for the Seahawks. Let's go ahead and move on to our team reports now. Another good week for Skyler's team with the Jets. Obviously, there's some injuries there, so you got to look mm-hmm. at in positive lens and probably going to tell us about the negative side of it as well. Uh, but me and Skyler's teams both get wins this weekend. Skyler, you tell me about the Jets first. Yeah, the Jets are five and two. It wasn't pretty, but uh, took down the Broncos sixteen to nine on the road in a pretty ridiculously defensive-heavy game. Uh, like you said, I'll start off with all the positives here first. First, the defense. We got two stars playing defensive back right now: Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Uh, Sauce had ten tackles, three deflections. DJ Reed had eight and three deflections as well. Sauce is going to win Rookie of the Week again, likely. Um, and he he's so good, man. Uh, I know you probably saw on Twitter people are are calling all of his plays holds and uh, Mickey Mouse win and all this stuff, but I, I don't care. That. They didn't. Th- oh, you haven't seen it? That's good then. Well, uh, you know, if they don't throw a flag, it's not a holding. Oh, uh, too bad. Quinn and Williams uh, always getting pressures. He even forced a, a, a bad throw to Lamarcus Joyner that was a pick. And um, Bryce Huff came in and got a sack too. So we'll move back to the offense. Um, you all know, Brees Hall ran for a 60-yard touchdown to start off the game. And then right after that, tore his ACL. I'm not going to get too into the injuries because we have a, another segment on that. Uh, and I don't want to talk about it either. But Michael Carter and Ty Johnson came in, got the job done. Uh, the wind was was nuts. So in my opinion, the player of the game was uh, Greg Zerline, who had all four of his kicks. Um, he even saw Zach Wilson try to hit uh, Conklin over the middle one time, and uh, it went 30 yards over his head, even though it was a check down. That's how crazy the wind was. But you know what? He he got the job done in the fourth when we needed him. And we're 5-2 and two, playing the Patriots. Should be a fun one. Um but lots of injuries too. I'll save it though for the next segment. Yeah. Moving on to the Raiders. Uh, we played the Texans this past week, a game that you got to win. And early on in the game, didn't look super pretty. Always kind of felt that we had it. Uh, and game eventually was 20 to 17. So went to the Texans side at that point. And then the Raiders went on a 21 to nothing run in the fourth quarter to end up making this game kind of look like a blowout in their 38 to 20 victory over Houston. Uh, starting off with Derek Carr, 21 for 27, 241 yards and a touchdown. You know, didn't have to do anything crazy in this game. He made all the right throws. Obviously, only six incompletions there. Uh, he looked good, though. Uh, stringing it together three or four games in a row now where he's been looking pretty solid. Uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, there's very few running backs in the NFL that are better than this guy right now. 20 carries, 143 yards, and three touchdowns, like I mentioned in the Immaculate Sports Player uh, section that we talked about a few minutes ago. But he was just so good, man. And you don't really see too often a guy have 143 yards and their longest carry be 15 yards. Usually you see a 50-yard or a 60-yard that they break off, and they're not truly getting that five or six yards per carry. But this guy was... 
just getting five or six yards, literally every single carry, which is crazy to think about uh, with how bad our O-line was looked at to start the season. Pass pro, maybe still not on that that good side of it yet, but running the ball with this offensive line has been big, and they've done really, really well for that very young and unexperienced group there. Uh, Moving on to the receiving side of things, Hunter Renfro in his second game back from his concussion, three catches, 55 yards. Didn't really have to do much there. Uh, Matt Collins had a touchdown, two catches, 44 yards, and his touchdown was a big one to end the first half to make it a tie game going into the second half when we eventually took over. Devontae did what Devontae did, eight catches, 95 yards. Looked great as usual. Uh, Defense didn't really play the best. Max Crosby did what he always does and pressure the quarterback Cleveland Furl and Chandler Jones did combine for a sack. Uh, so Chandler Jones gets his first half sack as a Raider. He took six games. <laughs> I'm hoping for a bit more than that. Uh, and then we did have a game ceiling pick six by the veteran Deron Harmon. It's his second pick of the year. His first one returned back for a touchdown and uh, defense ended up doing what they needed to do. I'll say that in the second half, they played well. Uh, it's, it's a, Team where you're going against the Texans where it's just like, I mean, it's Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks, Philip Dorsett, Nico Collins. Like these guys shouldn't be scoring more than 20 points on you. And at the end of the day, they scored 20 points. Uh, so moving into this next week, we're going to New Orleans. Should be an interesting game because the Saints put up a lot of points, but they're also not too careful with the football. So maybe we got to force some turnovers there. Uh, continue to play our side of offense. Uh, pound the ball of Josh Jacobs, get the ball out to Devontae when we need to. And hopefully we should be leaving New Orleans with the win next week and going to three and four. Uh, but until then, we still have two and four with the 11 seed in the AFC right now. Let's go on to where we got our picks right and where we got our picks wrong. Uh, I'll start off with me and the good side of my picks is uh, I'll say a quick series win for the Houston Astros yeah. over the Yankees. I said Houston Astros in five. It ended up being a sweep. Uh, I rarely ever pick sweeps in any type of sport just because it's so hard to do uh, unless like you're a one versus eight in basketball. But that quick series win four and five, not too big of a difference. I think I did pretty good there. Uh, And then where I went wrong is I picked the Falcons over the Bengals this week in our picks that did not hit at all. The Bengals just destroyed them on all facets of the ball. But in these things, you got to pick upsets. You know, yeah. if you're not picking upsets, you're not going to get a uh, a good percentage. You're not going to win weeks. You're just going to be second or third every single week. So you got to pick these upsets and get lucky on some of some of them. And this was one that I I got pretty unlucky on. Yeah, uh, and speaking of the upset picks, where I went right, I'm going to go with the Giants, and I'm pretty sure we all picked them. But especially nowadays, it's easily to get easy to get manipulated by uh, the Vegas odds. And we stuck to our gut here with the giants over Jacksonville. So uh, I think it's good. And and you'll notice too, we'll talk about it. All of our picks were a lot better this week. I think we're finally getting the hang of this, uh, but where I went wrong was taking the chargers over Seattle. I was talking to Kyle about this one. I was close to picking Seattle, but I thought it would be Eckler running for 170, not Kenneth Walker. So got that one in red. Yeah, the Seahawks pick was actually my bold prediction, so I guess we'll talk more about yeah. that later. Uh, fantasy play of the week, second or third week that we've done this now, where we're 
giving you something that you should maybe look at in fantasy this week that go pick up this guy. Hey, don't start this guy. He's got a tough matchup, whatever it may be. And my thing is, is getting Travis Etienne on your team before he actually is considered an RB1. A lot of fantasy football guys are saying that he is right now after the trade of James Robinson to Skyler's New York yes. Jets. But right now, maybe the person that has Etienne in the league isn't the smartest, just sees what he's done in the past and doesn't see that future production. So go ahead and take advantage of your league mates and go get Travis Etienne on your team. Uh, if you're playing in a league where everybody's smart and everybody understands football, you're probably not going to be able to get ETN uh, without giving up some hefty stuff. But if you have the opportunity to go get him, go get him right now. Yeah, uh, for me, kind of a two-parter. But first part, it's got to be Mikkel Hardman from Kansas City. Uh, he's clearly that slot guy now that I thought Valdez Scantling was going to be. Even though you know Valdez Scantling has held his own the past couple weeks, Hardman had three touchdowns. Uh, last week. Uh, so if he's available, you go grab him right away. If he's not, and you got to work on a trade, another thing to uh, focus on for the waiver this week is defense. A lot of good defenses had buys. And I noticed this even in our league, Kyle, someone dropped Philly defense. So that's going to be my number one claim as someone who's that been was me. With I defense. dropped Philly. Okay. Defense. Okay. Okay. Uh, and even not just Philly, but um, the Rams and Minnesota had buys this past week. So uh, if you've been streaming defenses and it hasn't worked, Go grab one. Yeah. Yeah. Streaming defense is definitely something that you should do in leagues, uh, regardless kind of of who you have, unless there's like some yeah. one specific defense that's going crazy. But there usually isn't in too many years where you have a situation like that. So streaming defense is always yeah. going to be a pretty smart move to do there. Uh, and do also want to talk about the Chiefs receivers before yeah. we get into anything else is that we're kind of getting into this point now where like Juju, MVS, McCole Hardman, it's very tough to differentiate on who's going to be the best in that week. Uh, They all this past week had good weeks. I know McCole Hardman obviously had those three touchdowns. MVS ended up having, I think, like 111 yards, only on three catches, but that's still 14, 15 points. And then Juju had a long touchdown as well as a couple other catches. So I got him into the 20-point range too. So you're kind of looking at this right now where they don't really have a true wide receiver one, but they might all be startable in fantasy, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking for a flex option. Uh, so go get those Chiefs wide receivers if you have the chance. Yes, Moving sir. on towards your head at, though, let's talk about the reigning AFC champ, Cincinnati Bengals. They've won four out of five. Are the Bengals back to their 2021 self? They're really close to last year. They're back up to uh, to top 10 in defense. I, I believe they're number four in passing offense. I just think some other teams have gotten a lot better while Cincinnati has just gotten back to where they should be. So I don't see them returning to the Super Bowl. But I am not going to be afraid to pick them anymore. I think they're back. Yeah, I think they're back as well. Uh, like Skyler said, I don't really know if they are going to go back to the Super Bowl because the Bills, Chiefs, some other teams as well yes. look really good in the AFC right now. Uh, but in these past four wins, Joe Burrow has been going off. Yeah. And that's something that we saw last year uh, in that last eight, six to eight week stretch where he was just on for like 400 yards every single game and three touchdowns. Uh, and in these past three games, I'll go over the stats for you. Against the Jets, 23 for 36, 275 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Against the Dolphins, 20 for 31, 287, two touchdowns, no picks. Against New Orleans, 280 or 
28 for 37, 300 yards and three touchdowns and no picks. Against the Falcons, 34 for 42, 481 yards, three touchdowns, and once again, no picks. So Joe Burrow has been on one recently. uh, And when they're in that spot, I mean, yeah, they're back. Uh, I just don't think they're going to end up going back to the Super Bowl because of how tough that AFC is. Let's talk about these veteran QB deals in this past year who kind of have not really worked out. I think all three yeah. of them, the three main ones for Russ Wentz and Matt Ryan going to the Broncos commanders and Colts respectively. Uh, but have these deals backfiring and giving up all these picks for these guys. Is this going to change how we see these future veteran QB deals or teams just going to continue to keep on spending on the most important position in all of football? I say, no, this isn't going to change anything. Even though these have, not worked out at all. Uh, even maybe some of the worst deals we've ever seen. GMs are going to look at Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, the extra rings that they wouldn't have got otherwise in their careers. Um, I think the team still think it's worth it. Every GM thinks they're smarter than the other. Uh, so when we see, you know, especially a year like this quarterback, like number nine through 25 in the, in the power rankings of quarterbacks seem pretty interchangeable right now. And, GMs are still going to take a shot on who they think is their guy to get them over the hump. Even if we, you know, who aren't a fan of any of the teams in the middle, uh, see that it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to change a little bit, but that's mainly because the the market for those tradable veteran quarterbacks isn't really exactly there right now. I mean, you have possibly a Derek Carr this year if things don't work out for the Raiders. Uh, there's Kirk Cousins, which doesn't even look like a tradable option now at this point because of how good the Vikings have been. But besides that, there isn't really a veteran QB that's like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be on the move here soon just because of circumstances that are going on. And so I do expect it to slow down for a couple years and maybe return to form where it's, you know, teams have their first round picks and teams don't have three first round picks at a single time. Uh, but maybe it'll, it'll ramp back up again. Once we see like uh, a Herbert to a burrow go for Tyler. their second or third contract. Yeah. Uh, so a couple, two or three years where these kind of deals slow down a little bit, but after that, I see him picking back up again, uh, where we get to this, this class of the 2018, 2019, 2020 quarterbacks that were really good. And there's a mm. lot of them. Uh, Interesting to see like, uh, uh, sorry. No, you're good. Like if Garoppolo plays out this year decently, if he gets a Matt Ryan type deal. Yeah, Matt Ryan or so Garoppolo is interesting because I mean if he takes him back to the Super Bowl or close to it, yeah. Like they can't just like say, Okay, yeah, we're we're trying out Trey Lance again because Jimmy's done all this stuff for them and I know he hasn't been the greatest, but if you're winning yeah. games with him that's all that matters. Uh, so that's something obviously that we'll talk more about in the future, but the Garoppolo situation is definitely going to be an interesting one. Let's uh, talk about the Jetropolitans now. Uh, uh, two big injuries, of course, Elijah Barrett Tucker and Breeze Hall, both out for the year now at this point. They got placed on the IR, I believe this morning or yesterday, uh, one of the two. But Jets already have made a move to try to you know, make up for this Breeze Hall injury, and that's trading for the Jacksonville running back, James Robinson. Uh, 
do you think the Jets survive these losses of ABT and Breeze Hall, or is it are these losses just too big to overcome? Well, first of all, these two guys have been absolute stars for us this year. Vera Tucker was on his way to the all pro team. He could be an all pro at any position on the offensive line. Uh, but I also want to say, don't forget about Corey Davis. Who's got an M- MCL sprain likely out a couple of weeks. Elijah Moore has activated on the roster. That doesn't mean he's going to show up though. And four other left tackles are hurt too. We're down to our fifth left tackle. Um, but the offense has dealt with this before. We know they're not going to the Super Bowl. So, you know, we shouldn't be disappointed now that there's the injuries. Um, but don't forget, this year is all about developing the young guys, building a culture that wins the games you're supposed to, not the same old Jets. You know, and uh, and obviously, Zach Wilson's been dealt a shit hand right here, despite being five and two. I, I also want to say we shouldn't be calling him a bust yet either because he's running for his life out there but he hasn't played great either if he stays hot in the fourth quarter like he has been get some more game-winning drives we're going to be just fine but don't expect a Super Bowl run yeah yeah I think I mean I don't really know how Jets fans are completely that's something more in your realm but I don't think a lot of them expect this team to really do much in the playoffs so no speak. but as like, soon as we point. we get hot then it's super bowl or bust that's how they are yeah that's valid yeah. uh but i think the jets like skeller said has kind of set them up nicely right now they're five and two you know they're not at a spot where it's three and yeah. four and they have these injuries mm-hmm. happen and then they have to go on a run with their best guys out at this point they set them up well, and I think they're at a point where they're probably going to at least have nine wins uh, with how their season goes. And I think if you get to 11, for sure you're going to make it. Yeah. 10, you're likely going to make it to the playoffs. And so you just have to win one or two of those harder games that we talked about last week to to get in. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're at the point now where the Patriots don't look the best, but then again, you can't write anything off of Bill Belichick. Next thing you know, they might be up by 50 against the team next week. Uh, sorry, I do realize that they are playing the Jets next week. Yes. But, uh, you know, stuff like that happens with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just got to win a couple of these hard games, and I think they'll be in. Uh, but once they get to the playoffs, I don't know about that. I really right like now. what they're doing, though, man. Yeah. I really like it. Like, this is something we've never seen before. Not even when when Sanchez went to the championship game two years, you know? Yeah, the direction of the team is definitely in a good spot. And I believe they should have money to spend in the offseason to, you know, go get an attractive free agent or two. That is because you have this young core that's there. You have guys that look like they want to play for Rob Sala. Mm-hmm. Or we know that they want to play from, but it, when you see that other people want to play from and you see the environment the teams are going in and maybe you're on the fucking Colts or the commanders and you see your head coach calling out your quarterback every other week, you're like, Hey, I'm gonna go play in New York. You know, I might not get the best state taxes, but I want to go win football games. And right now that's how the jets organization is trending, which is super good for Skyler and super good for half of New York. I have one note for you before we move on. Do you know who Cedric Obehi is? Oh, Lyman? Yes. We have brought him up from the practice squad. He will be starting right tackle. He's our seventh tackle on the roster, starting at right tackle opposite side of Matt Judon this week. Oh, fun. Yes. Judon's washed, so you're all good. Okay, good. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, let's talk about the biggest thing in the NFL that's occurred over this past week. And that's something that didn't really line up well with our our podcast schedule because it happened right on after. Thursday night last yeah. week. Uh, and that's CMC being traded to the local San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so we got to talk about it, of course. Uh, we saw his first game against the Chiefs. They, he only got 10 touches, but one for 60 yards, of course, was very efficient. Uh, Niners ended up not having a good game, though, in their 44 to 23 loss against the Chiefs. But how much does this addition of CMC change the outlook on the 49ers? I really don't think this team is going to finish strong, Kyle. I, you know, wouldn't be surprised if they grabbed a playoff spot and then ended up getting smacked by Minnesota or something in the first round. But I think the whole point of this is you have, um, I don't even want to like stick them with a position. This, um, I don't even know, bro. This guy, McCaffrey, you know, you cross off the list of playmaker for the next however many years you cross them off. That's the whole point here. Until you figure out how to use them, of course, um, he should be the entire focus of the offense going forward. And I think that's the big thing here. You don't have to rely on, uh, you know, drafting another guy when your guy gets hurt. Uh, This guy should be, although he's had injury problems, he's, He's going to be your entire offense for three, four years now. And that's big for San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, the average fan is going to think that this move is like crazy. You know, yeah. we saw a post on, I don't know if you go on Instagram much because you don't really use it, but the NFL made a post saying, is the Niners offense the best offense in the league now with CMC? And I'm like, uh. definitely not because the running backs have already been super efficient. I know CMC is just going to make it even more efficient, yeah. but they're at the point now where how much can that run game even get better? Uh, and I think this main move is going to help the Niners more in the future than what it will this year. Because when you have Trey Lance coming back and he's playing quarterback for you, you know, you're not going to, I know you have Debo who's already there in the backfield half the time and you have Ayuk who doesn't really run super far routes all the time too. It's got to be comforting, right? But you have <laughs> a guy who's, you can just check the ball down to yeah. and he's going to make a guy miss. He's going to get a first down like eight or nine times out of 10, you know? So you have this safety blanket that isn't just a safety blanket, but can turn anything into a touchdown. And while this year, I don't think it's going to affect you that much because Niners are a great team. I don't think as of right now they're a Super Bowl team, but I don't think CMC with or without is going to really change the point. Yes, this team is a Super Bowl team or without them that they're not, you know, I think they're still going to be good, uh, but I think they're in the, the second tier of the NFC right now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, worst loss that we've seen from any team in a while. And there's three to 21 loss against the CFL Carolina Panthers uh, this past weekend with PJ Walker at the helm. Uh, what do the Bucks got to do to figure it out? Skyler? They have no identity right now. You know, I, I heard on NFL network that when Gronk and Indominus Sue left, that left a big hole. I'm not going to go that far, but I think it definitely is a Brady problem or a Todd Bowles problem. I don't know which one, but one of those two guys has to step up because I think we both think they're both going to uh, still win the division, you know, but this could be Brady's last year together. Um, they got to get their shit together. Yeah, it's it's a weird spot. They're still tied for the division league because of how bad the eight, NFC South is. 
the Falcons are three and four. They're three and four. And if you look at it just for face value, yeah. you're going to say that the Buccaneers are going to win that division 99 times out of a hundred. Uh, and I think the fix of it is you got to run the ball in the last five games. These have been Leonard Fournette's carry totals. He had eight last week, 21 the week before 14, the week before that three, the week before that, and then 12 the week before that. So he's just not getting the ball. And I know he had 21 carries in that one game against the Steelers, but I mean, you have to get away from having Tom Brady throw the ball 49, 50 times because it's not working. Even if Leonard Fournette isn't efficient with his carries, you have to keep the defense on their toes because Leonard Fournette's going to be a guy, even if he is rattling off two, three yards each carry, He's going to break one sometimes, mm-hmm. and he's got that potential with the ball in his hands to do something. I know the offensive line isn't good. I know you got to look out quick to get the ball out to Evans or Goblin, whoever it may be. But it's just, it's so one-sided right now. And when you have Evans who dropped the like, most wide-open touchdown that he could possibly get last week, and then you have no deep pass game, it's just like... What are you, what are you going to do? Yeah, you, you got, they're not dynamic. And I think if they run the ball, they can change that up a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. Before we get to halftime, we're going to do one more segment that hopefully we could start doing each week uh, called, are they dead? Uh, <laughs> so we'll write off teams throughout the year to see if they're dead or not. Uh, starting off with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams this week. Uh, and we'll start with the easy ones. Are the Texans dead? Yeah, they're done for this year. Uh, I see the strategy is pretty similar to the to the Jets, where they're trying to get young at the skill positions and defense. But we'll check back in uh, in a year, maybe grab a quarterback. Uh, we'll see. But they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. The Lions, the one in five or one in six Lions. Yes, also dead. One of the worst defenses I've ever seen. Likely getting a new coach. Uh, it's a mess. Yeah, they're dead. The Panthers. Yes, <laughs> they're going to play hard for Steve Wilkes, but the roster shit. They got to keep their uh, their core pieces. I want to see Matt Corral play. They're dead this year, though. Yeah, they are dead. The Saints, who are two and five. Not dead. Like we talked about earlier, divisions wide open. Jameis had a season. Uh, uh, I misspelled right here. Season had a decent career in New Orleans so far, uh, and they have an above average NFC defense. Still possible. I'm also saying no. Uh, they're two and five, but they're only one game out of the division right now with how bad the Bucks have been. Uh, their team is still respectable. I, you know, I don't see them doing much, but I'm not to the point yet. There's no chance that this team's doing anything. I think they still have that chance. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh's dead. It's nice seeing some of the young guys perform, but if TJ Watt's dead, the Steelers are dead. Yeah, the Steelers are dead. The Browns. The two and five Browns. Browns are dead. If they beat Baltimore, they'd still be alive. But uh, AFC is really close. Losses to the Chargers and the Jets are going to kill them when Watson comes back, even if he balls out. I'm saying no. Uh, I think they still have room to lose one or two games before Watson comes back if they win every single game once he does come back. Like mathematically eliminated is what you're going with? Yeah, and that's partially because they still have four games within the division. Yeah, that's true. And two of those are against the Bengals, and one of them is this week, uh, of course. But 
I mean, you gotta like, you gotta win out once Watson gets there is the thing. Uh, if you have eight, eight losses, once Watson gets there, yeah, you're dead. But if you have six or you have seven, you still got a chance. And the last team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville is dead. I think they're an awful team. Bad division, but they still play Tennessee twice. I don't see him winning. I don't like ETN. That's not saying he won't be efficient in fantasy, Kyle. Don't worry, bud. Don't worry. He'll still get his fantasy points. But I don't like the efficiency of the offense. It's going to bite him eventually. Way too expensive. The Jags are dead. Uh, they were a fun story to start the year going 2-1 and one and having a very convincing win over the Chargers and the Colts, actually, too. But Trevor Lawrence just hasn't shown enough quite yet. I know Christian Kirk was good to start the year, and he's been good in parts throughout this year. But he's not shown enough for me to be like, yeah, this guy's a wide receiver one. Uh, I like ETN a lot. He's been super efficient in his carries so far this year. Uh, but he's only got one touchdown. So you can have all the yards in the world that you can possibly have. But if you only have one touchdown, yeah. you, you're going to be dead. All right. Let's send it to halftime. All right. Welcome to halftime. And we're going to start it off once again with the NFL injuries. And unfortunately, it just keeps getting worse and worse, man. Some real bad ones, season enders. We talked about the Jets. And uh, I guess we'll go from uh, from the top here. Ryan Tannehill, one of the only quarterbacks on the list, um, doesn't feel great after having a lower leg injury uh, in a walking boot today. And uh, apparently, uh, if, uh, if Malik Willis uh, is ready to go, it's his game to start against the Texans. So that's really interesting. I, I'm interested to see what Malik Willis can do, especially against a, a bad defense. Yeah, it's probably yeah. a perfect situation if you needed your rookie, unexperienced quarterback to start a game, have him start a game against the Texans. Exactly. Um, Chuba Hubbard, Panthers running back, taking over for McCaffrey here with Foreman. Um, but Chuba Hubbard is injured. Uh, they're calling it a, an ankle injury at questionable up in the air. They're not going to tell us yet. Um, so that's unfortunate, but Chuba Hubbard could be some big uh, fantasy implications there. Um, but DK Metcalf from the Seahawks, uh, they're calling it a patella tendon issue. And again, he's no timetable at all, but Talking with Brett today, he says he wants to play next week. Uh, so that would be crazy, right? This is usually a four-week injury. Crazy, but uh, another receiver from that game, Mike Williams from the Chargers, not going to be questionable. He's going to be out a couple weeks with a uh, um, high ankle sprain. Tough. I have him in fantasy, too. And I love watching him jump over, guys. Uh, tough. Another receiver, one of Kyle's guys, Amon Ross St. Brown, took a nasty hit from Anthony Barr and uh, flagged for concussion. So uh, he didn't return in that game. He's still questionable, tough, and, you know, another young receiver not able to play this year. Bad to see. Brown's tight end, David Njoku, another guy with a high ankle sprain, but they say he's for sure out two to five weeks. Uh, they got Harrison Bryan and Jesse James in Cleveland. So Kyle's Brown's. Uh, gonna have to come back with the backup tight ends. You mean Ian's? Ian's Browns? <laughs> yeah, Ian's Browns. Yeah. And and one more I want to talk about here: Evan Neal, Giants tight end, uh, t- tackle. Sorry, sheesh, I tight end on the brain. Uh, not going to be season-ending, but he did have an MCL sprain. Avoids the season-ending injury surgery, but recovery time is four weeks. But that's massive for the Giants. Uh, one of their 
their corner pieces here is coming back. And actually, I'm forgetting about one of the biggest ones of the week, J.C. Jackson from the Chargers. Uh, it's it's the knee injury. It's uh, yeah, uh, dislocated kneecap. Yeah, so he's out for the year. Weird. It just it it sucks, you know. Uh, not that you know. I'd rather have people I like get injured. I don't want anyone to get injured, but this was a tough week for everybody, for sure. Uh, so we'll move on to college football now. Going to do a week eight recap. Not a lot of teams played, but there were still some good games. We'll start off with number five Clemson hanging on for dear life against Syracuse, twenty-seven to twenty-one. So uh, Clemson's uh, almost got that ACC locked up now after beating Syracuse. DJ Uyunglele didn't look very good at all, but Will Shipley, running back, we like hundred seventy-two touchdowns. Oregon, forty-five to thirty win over UCLA. This was a big one for uh, for Pac-12 rights here, and uh, Bo Nix played awesome. 280 and five touchdowns. Uh, good to see him finally, you know, another guy finally getting his shit together here. Uh, Alabama, no problem against Mississippi State. Uh, I don't see him losing to another uh, another ranked team that's not Georgia this year. Cincinnati hangs on on the road against SMU. They stay ranked. I know you like to see that, Kyle. And uh, we got a Cincinnati guy, too, on the Jets. So I like it. LSU destroys Ole Miss with 45 unanswered points. Ole Miss was undefeated, number seven in the nation. But Jaden Daniels, man, the former Arizona State Sun Devil, is taking over in Louisiana, and they're going to be ranked for sure. Um, Oklahoma State holds on against Texas at home. We'll talk about that one a little later. Uh, Cowboys always cover for me. And TCU stays undefeated, beating Kansas State, their rival, by 10. So they're going to stick in the top 10. Uh, pretty interesting week of college football, and we're going to get into the Heisman watch. I did one again, and I only have a top five this week because I feel like we're down to this five, and I think it's pretty safe to say. So we'll start from the bottom. Number five, I got USC quarterback Caleb Williams. He had a bye this week, but he had over 400 scrimmage and five touchdowns in their loss against Utah. It was at Utah. Utah had a crazy comeback with a minute left. I don't blame him. He still put up the numbers, so he's going to stay on the list. Number four, it's Alex's guy, the Michigan running back, Blake Corum. Another guy who had a bye, but last week against Penn State, 166 and two touchdowns. He's pretty unstoppable right now in the Big Ten. Number three, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, 250, two touchdowns against Mississippi State. Not great, but he's got to stay on the list because he's, he's the man. But these other two, I feel like it's down to a top two right now. Number two, I got Tennessee quarterback Hennon Hooker. 300 scrimmage and three touchdowns against UT Monroe, UT Martin, one of the two, uh, one of the, you know, their, their little brother schools. Mm. Um, but he, you know, he didn't have to do much, but they're still undefeated. They're number three. He played awesome against Alabama. He's still up there. And number one, it's still gotta be CJ Stroud. He hasn't done anything to prove he's not the guy, you know, another 300 yards and four touchdowns against Iowa that w- before this game was a top 10 defense in the nation. So He's got to stay at number one. I can't wait to watch him play Michigan because that's going to be an awesome game. Yeah. Should be fun. Uh, Moving on now to our pick standings in the NFL. We'll go over week six and then our total season picks so far. Pretty even week for us, I'd say. Uh, Mm -hmm. We all either went 10 and 10 out of 14 or 9 out of 14. The guys that went 9 out of 14 were Brett and Alex. And then me and Skyler both also went 10 and 14 yeah, this week. We're back. Uh, 
could have been a better week for us if the Patriots decided to show up, the Packers yeah. decided to show up, or the Bucks decided to show up because those were three picks that we all unanimously got wrong. But moving on to our full season rankings right now. So let me scroll up a little bit. Coming in last place with 61 out of 97 is Skyler still, yeah. unfortunately. I'm inching uh, forward. Still reaching. Still yeah. inching week by week. Uh, third place is Brett, 64 out of 97 picks right now. Uh, second place is Alex, 67 and 97 uh, picks through seven weeks. And then coming in first place, the first to 70 is me. Uh, with 70 out of 97 picks right now. It looks pretty good. You know, 70% is about where I want to be. That's where I wish I was. <laughs> You'll get there. Uh, that's going to do it for halftime, though. Let's go ahead and send it to the second half. Yeah. Uh, we're talking baseball all the second half. We're going to be talking team grades for the two teams that got eliminated, World Series predictions, uh, as well as giving our World Series MVP pick. Team grades to start, though. Yeah. The team that lost the NLCS, the San Diego Padres, who went 89 and 73 in the regular season. Uh, I'll go first here, uh, and then I'll let you give yours after okay. that. Uh, I gave them an A. I said that they beat the Dodgers, they got Juan Soto, and they're going to have Tatis next year. And when you add all three of those things together, and you see that they got to the NLCS for the first time since 2006 or whenever it was it's a pretty damn good year i'm not going to give them an a plus because you know Tatis wasn't there and you know maybe some of the things that bob melvin did later in the last few games was putting in pitchers at the wrong time or having Trent Grisham bunt instead of putting another guy yeah. in uh made it so they didn't even get that game six or game seven back at home in san diego uh, but an a still of course a very good year yeah i'm also giving them an a here. Uh, like you said, beating the Dodgers was crazy. I don't think we expected them to make it this far. And their guys aren't going anywhere. You know, obviously Melvin had his uh, ups and downs, but it was still a clear upgrade at manager. Uh, look forward to getting Tatis back, and they're going to run it back. Yeah. Next up is the Yankees, who went 99 and 63. And if you told us that the Yankees were going to go 99 and 63 uh, at the All Star break, I would think that you yeah. are completely joking. This team was on pace to win 115, 120 games. I still gave them a C because my preseason outlook of them was not that good. I didn't even have them making the playoffs. Yeah. I think if you subtract their first part of the season, they probably don't make the playoffs. But Aaron Judge had the best season that a Yankee has ever had in their career. Uh, the only thing bad for them is that that's Aaron Judge's last season as a Yankee. Mm -hmm. He's going to San Francisco. He might go to New York uh, with the Mets uh, or the Dodgers. I think those are the three teams that are Rangers. probably going to be bidding for him the most. Uh, and when you look at this Yankees team that's left without him, they got a lot of vets. You know, they have some prospects with Peraza, Volpe, uh, and some of the other guys as well, but no Aaron Judge. If you don't have Aaron Judge, that's when the Yankees soul for the last six years now at this point and if you can't have them you're not going to get back to anything even i mean they haven't gone to really anything in the past 14 years but no judge it's gonna be rough i gave them a b here a lot of the mistakes that i'll talk about 
are going to take effect after the season. So I didn't count it here, but that first half run was unheard of and they made the ALCS when I, I didn't think there was a shot, but they made some really bad signings this year, some bad managerial decisions. Aaron judge is leaving, like you said. So I guess either replenish it with uh, a bunch of new guys from the market or look forward to the prospects because that's about it for the Yankee fans. Yeah. Once judge leaves, it's going to be a very interesting transitioning period uh, for those Yankee fans who have been so used to Aaron judge the last few years. Let's talk about the world series though. Let's talk about the, let's stop talking about these Yankees. Uh, Skylar put on his Phillies hat. So you can kind of guess what his pick might be there. I think he probably got that hit hat when he's about eight years old, maybe. Uh, in prime Doc Holiday days. Yes. Uh, but it's Astros, Phillies. We'll get right into it. What's your World Series prediction? Who's winning and how many games? Although I have the Philly hat on, I will be taking the Astros in five. Wow. I will be rooting for Philly all the way, but Houston's the best team in baseball by far this year. Uh, you know, if Philly's bad slow down at all, this is going to be over really quickly. So... I originally wrote down Astros and then oh. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it a lot. And you know, as, as much as the Astros have not lost the game in the postseason, the Phillies haven't lost at home. And so what yeah. I think is going to be more likely to stay is Philly winning those games at home. And I don't think there's a single team in the past five or six years, they could beat this Philly team in Citizens Bank Park right now because of how crazy that atmosphere is. So I have them winning game three, four, and five in Philly and then taking one of the four in Houston. And that fourth one will be game six in Houston. So Houston takes first two. Philly sweeps from there on after that. Uh, and I'll get into my World Series MVP pick before – uh, Bryce Harper. We have Skyler do his, and Skyler, of course, just mentioned it right there. Uh, I'm trying to go back to back years now, picking the World Series MVP. Picked Jorge Soler last year, and I'm going with the fucking layup right here. If the Phillies yeah. win, it's going to be Bryce Harper. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty safe pick. Uh, so mine's going to be a, a Houston player, and even though I don't want to do it, I'm going to try to do the math and catch up to you, so we can have back to back winners here. Altuve and Jordan are due. McCormick was my pick originally, but I'm going to go with Alex Bregman. He's only really? struck out twice all postseason, and he loves hitting relievers, something that you just can't teach. It only happens in the postseason, man. So uh, this is my pick. Yeah, I think Bregman's been an absolute stud in this yeah. playoffs, and there's not a lot of people outside of Houston that I think are really talking about that. Him because Pena won the ALCS MVP. Jordan had those big hits in the first couple of games. And against Seattle, uh, Chaz McCormick's been big. They've had guys come up yeah. through throughout their lineup. But the guy who's been doing it the whole playoffs is Alex Bregman. Mm -hmm. so that's a great pick by Skyler. I think Thank you very much. If, if Houston <laughs> wins, I'm, I think that's a pretty solid choice. I'll say that. Let's go on to our layups and bold predictions before we close out episode 111. 
last week we did pretty good. Three out of four on our picks. The only one that went wrong was my layup pick where I had the Colts and Titans going over 43 and a half. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, there was a total of 29 points scored in that game. Matt Ryan looked like complete dog shit. Uh, I think he contributed more points probably for the Titans than he did for the Colts. Uh, so that's a red there. Skyler had OK State plus six versus Texas. That's a good one for Skyler there. Yeah. And then moving on to this week, I have Niners money line, which is currently minus 125 against the Los Angeles Rams. They kill them all the time. And so I think Niners money line is a pretty yeah. safe one. I'm going back to some college football here. I'm going to go with the Kentucky Wildcats to cover 12 and a half points at number three, Tennessee. Maybe thinking this is crazy. They just dropped 50 points on Alabama. What are you talking about? Kentucky quarterback Will Levis will be playing this game for a spot to be drafted in the first round. I think he's going to be playing out of his mind. I still think they lose by 10, but I think Will Levis is going to make this one close. So are we seeing 80 points in this game? That's very possible. <laughs> uh, last week for our bold predictions, me and Skyler both got ours right. So pretty good job there. My pick was the Seahawks over the Chargers at plus 225. That's two back-to-back weeks where I get my NFL yeah. pick them for the bold prediction correct. And then Skyler had Giants win at Not Jacksonville. Not plus 25. <laughs> uh, it was still like plus 150 yeah. or whatever it was. So pretty good pick there by Skyler. Uh, and then this week, I still have a money line prediction. Uh, it is the Cardinals over Minnesota. In Minnesota, that's plus 160. I think the Cardinals are going to ride high from their win against the Saints last week where they put up 42. Uh, and the Vikings are due for some regression. And I think that might be uh, this this week coming off of their bye. I'm going to go with some NFL for my bull prediction again. Going with Washington to win at Indianapolis. It's Sam Ellinger getting the start for the Colts. And, uh, you know, I I hope he plays well. But as of right now, I don't trust him at all. So, sorry, Texas fans. Washington's going to win this one. Yeah. uh, that's. I've been looking at the lines for that game. That that game is really, really weird. uh, Because I think both these teams suck. But, you know, the commanders have had these back-to-back wins. Uh, we don't really know what Sam Ellinger is, of course, because he really hasn't played in the regular season of the NFL. But it should be interesting. I think Commanders is probably what I'm going to pick on our spreadsheet this week uh, as well, though. So I'll I'll tell you in that. Uh, but that's going to do it for episode 111. Uh, yeah. Next week, World Series should still be going on, considering it starts on Friday. Friday. So we'll have games one, two three and I think four will be going on while we're doing our podcast next week. So we should still be in the world series. Uh Uh, Football of course is every week for the next 20. It seems like at this point Uh, basketball, maybe we'll talk about something if something crazy happens, Uh, but probably not at this point, but yeah. See you in one twelve. Go jets. Go jets.